Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three step drop, close all the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. We don't even keep score. We just run that up and leave. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Throws up in the head. That's it. At the 30. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 29. He's got Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. And there are the cannons coming. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Ladies and gentlemen, the return of the greatest uniform in NFL history is upon us. That is right. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will wear their beloved throwback creamsicle uniforms in week six against the Detroit Lions. The first time in over a decade, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had the opportunity to wear their beloved creamsicle uniforms. And uh, we have got a lot to catch you guys up on coming off of the bye week. Headed into week six against an age-old NFC Central rival. A rivalry reborn is what they are calling it. And uh, we are getting ready here as we kick off Creamsicle Week on the Cannon Fire Podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, live on YouTube today. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, the man himself, <laughs> Evan Wanish. How you doing, my friend? I was going to say the Philly Bucks fan himself, but... For some reason, it like it slipped my mind. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting on Sunday uh, to see that the creamsicles finally back in action. So it's been a long time, and uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, and obviously today we're going to open things up with some injury news, something that not a lot of people were talking about headed into the bye week. Well, I mean, I say that kind of passive-aggressively. Uh, everybody was talking about how the bye week came at a good time for this Bucks team to get everyone healthy because... Staying consistent and staying healthy was an issue for them in 2022, even in 2021 when they had a stacked roster, and now they're dealing with a much younger roster, a lot less depth than they had before, but luckily for the Bucks coming off of the bye week, not only do they get the chance to heal up some of their starters, guys like Mike Evans and Vita Vea, uh, but you get Jamel Dean back, and you also get some rookies that you haven't seen too much of this season in Kalijah Cansey, Buccaneers first-round pick, and other rookie, Servassier Dennis, so... A couple of names the Bucks are going to be happy to see back at practice this week. Also back at practice this week in the theme of things, the creamsicle helmets, which look fantastic. But let's talk about some of those players coming back and the impact of guys like Kalijah Cansey, Servassier, Dennis, and more back on this Bucks roster for week six. Yeah, I think especially, you know, Cansey, and I know a lot of fans are eager to see it. The fans are, I think, growing a little bit frustrated um, that he's not out there, and I get it. At the same time, though, I look at it, and and I've said it on this show, I thought that the Bucks sort of rushed him uh, week one to get out there. This is a guy who uh, didn't play at all in the preseason, didn't really do any training camp. Like, it was very early in training camp that he got injured, so I just thought that, Okay, he didn't really practice much. Then the game week rolls around, and he's practicing a little bit, and all of a sudden he's playing. And 
I thought it was a risk that they didn't really need to take and the risk didn't pay off and he ended up, you know, getting re-injured. So I think the Bucks wanted to be as cautious as possible because you don't want to send him back out there and then him getting re-hurt again. And then it maybe is a long-term thing. Maybe he's out for the year. Maybe he's out for longer than four or five games. Uh, you don't want that to affect. I mean, this is still a very young guy who has a whole, you know, development to go so um and he's an important piece for the buccaneers present and future so i think they wanted to be cautious uh i get fans frustration because you want to see him out there uh but it, it always felt to me like this you know after the bye week and everything uh this felt like a more realistic date than uh say you know i know some people wanted him for the saints game and it didn't happen but uh that does feel a little bit more realistic that we get collage Kansi back and also I think a pretty cool touch that they're wearing the, the creamsicle helmets uh, in practice. I don't know if maybe there's a, a strategic thing behind it. I, I, I don't know. Maybe if the coaches want to get them to get used to it or, you know, how it looks and stuff like that. I don't know. Or if they just felt like wearing them. So, but yeah, a, a pretty cool touch regardless, which I don't think they've ever done. Uh, I don't believe people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't believe before the cream sickle games in the past, uh, the throwback games that they've ever done that. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, get Canty back out there would be pretty massive, especially because this team, as we saw last time they were out there, uh, the pass rush, I think, has lacked a little bit of juice uh, from time to time. And I think they could really use that, especially against a Detroit team that is playing fantastic football right now. So it's going to be a real challenge. Yeah, only 11 snaps for Kalijah Kansi in that week one game against Minnesota. But even though he played, you know, 11 snaps, he still recorded a QB hit off of a stunt. So not only is he an extra guy for that rotation along that defensive line, but he's an extra guy for Todd Bowles to scheme around. And it's going to be interesting to see if he adds another layer of what this Bucks pass rush can try and do, because obviously this is a coaching staff that is aware of the adjustments they have to make week in and week out. And I have enough confidence that Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator, or at least as a guy running the defense as a head coach, he has more than enough experience to realize what needs to be done uh, because this, this defense is still after all these years kept in tip top shape when they're healthy. So it's going to be interesting to see what he brings to the table. Servasier Dan is very much a part of that conversation as well. Getting healthy back in the secondary is another thing I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, we'll probably go into more detail on the game preview this week, but Jared Goff has been playing some of his best football for the Lions. He has been really slinging the rock around. He has been efficient, and uh, even though Amon Ross St. Brown has been battling injury, you know it has been an effective passing attack for the Lions so far this year. As you mentioned, they're playing great football. So when you look at getting guys back in the rotation like Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean finally back at practice, Zion McCollum been playing well, have to give him his props as well up to this point of the season. Uh, D Delaney up in top, uh, up on top of some of the passing categories as far as cornerbacks grading out with the rest of the NFL. So he's playing well. Can't say enough things about Christian Izzy and the undrafted free agent. So these guys are getting healthy and they're finally getting on a roll, if you will. I know they're coming off of the bye week, so maybe there's going to be some adjustments early in the game. But for the most part, getting a lot of these guys back healthy is is huge. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. And, um, you know, especially in the secondary, because, I mean, we looked at it and Ryan Neal exited that game, that Saints game uh, early with a concussion was ruled out pretty much immediately. If they played a week five game, Ryan Neal probably isn't playing in that game. 
uh, because he probably is not going to be able to pass concussion protocol. Now with the bye week, he was probably able to go. Uh, Jamel Dean, another week of rest for Dean after missing week four. Uh, you know, he went in week three, got hurt, and came back in, got hurt again. So it's a nice to get him to rest up. Carlton Davis, who is obviously not 100%. Vita Vea, who's not 100%. Devin White, who's not 100%. Just so many guys, particularly on the defensive side of the football, that are hopefully, I mean, that's what you're hoping. You know, we don't know this for sure. We're we're kind of assuming, right, because with the extra rest, you're hoping that and assuming that they're going to be healthier. Um, they're probably not going to be 100% still because you, just, you rarely are during a football season. Um, especially the more games you play. But hopefully, yeah, this can re-energize them a little bit because it was a pro having the week five bye week when they did because of the injuries and how banged up the con is that now they play 13 straight games. So uh, there is no more breaks. You get a little mini bye. Uh, after you play Buffalo on Thursday Night Football, you'll get about 10 days off before your next game. But that's a little mini bye week to you know to sort of rest up. But uh, it's going to be a gauntlet from here on out. So that that's a con of that. And I, I didn't love when the schedule came out. I, I never, and I've explained this actually on a Mr. Bucks Nation video, that um, – when you look at the schedule and you look at a, a bye week, I always prefer it to be week seven in the, the week seven to week nine, week seven, eight, nine. I think it's sort of perfect right in the middle of the season. I think it's a nice, you know, sort of like refresher. You get to calm down. You sort of get to tell exactly what your team is. Because right now, Bucks are three and one. I, we don't know exactly what type of team they are, right? I, I, I think we, you can't make that assumption after four games, but uh, I do think it's very good that the defense particularly uh, can and get healthy because the offense is fairly healthy. I mean, I know Mike Evans, um, you know, and I'm curious to see if he can play because he was ruled out with the hamstring. A lot of times if he, you know, he has hamstring issues, uh, he'll be able to come back in this time. He wasn't, I don't know if that was the bucks being cautious or if it's a little bit of a worse hamstring, who knows, but, uh, really the, that's the only question mark I think for the offense is Mike Evans. Obviously it is a big question mark, especially against the Detroit team, which has been playing great football. So you're going to need Mike Evans out there for sure. Yeah, Mike Evans always been a guy who who almost prides himself on just being available. We've said before on this team, uh, availability is the best ability. And Mike Evans being one of the most productive guys on the offense has been a staple of that for a long time. The model of consistency, all these thousand yard seasons, and he's well on his way to another one so far this year. Phones are on, by the way, tonight as we are live on YouTube. Give us a call, 305-224-1968. The meeting ID on your screen for this week Eight seven eight four five nine one nine three three five. Checking in on the live chat, by the way. Shout out to all of our people hanging out. Flo Sun, Christopher Cole, Rashad West, Chris Mail, Wesley Ramirez, Richard T over there on the West Coast, David Arbuckle, and Yurek Mazino. I hope I pronounced that correctly. We do have a question from Wesley Ramirez, and he says, Can we talk about the special teams and how the Bucks could improve? And this is an interesting question that, again, not a lot of people are having, but I did see you covered it recently on a Mr. Bucks Nation video. We can talk about the return game in a second because I think that may be more so what he's referring to here. But let's talk about the combination of Jake Camarda and Chase McLaughlin because so far, I mean, this has been a duo that I won't say was unexpected simply because Jake Camarda had such a class rookie season as one of the better punters in the NFL that this was expected, right? We knew the kid at a cannon. He's continuing to play well. Uh, But Chase McLaughlin, you know, a couple of 50 plus yarders under his belt in the first few weeks for 
the Bucks who signed him needing a kicker with range. So far, this duo is uh, has really been doing a lot of great things whenever they're on the field, and and that counts because as we saw in Week One, you know the Bucks beat Minnesota twenty to seventeen. Those field goals matter. Uh, they matter a lot. And Chase McLaughlin, and I even mentioned that in the video, like Chase McLaughlin nailing that fifty-seven yarder in Minnesota to put the Bucks back up two scores, uh, and then. He did it again in New Orleans uh, to put the Bucks back up two scores. Big kicks uh, by Chase McLaughlin there. And obviously, like I said, I think I said this on the postgame show for the Saints. It helps that uh, they're both indoors. But regardless, he still made the kicks. And they're not gimmies by any means. So, yeah, I thought the special teams have been pretty good. Now, I, I didn't want to, you know, and even in that video, I wasn't going to get into, well, there's special team coverage and this and that. No, I was just talking about the punter and the kicker. Like, that's what I was focusing on, and both have been really good for the Bucks, and they've both been like weapons for the Bucks to use, especially you know the punter. Obviously, the kicker's pretty straightforward, right? You you put the ball through the uprights, and th- that's a, a weapon. But being able to a, a punter to flip the field to pin offenses deep, that is a, a weapon. Like, like that is something that you can use to your advantage that not every team has, and the Bucks haven't had for a little bit. Obviously, friend of the show Bradley Pinion, he was a, I think a, a solid punter i think he got a little bit too much hate but i, I do think jake camarda is an upgrade uh over opinion and his ability to just bomb the ball sometimes i mean when he gets a hold of one it is it is special and uh he's been really good and i do think that you know i think right now he's probably a top 10 punter and i think he has the potential and look i'm not gonna sit here and go punter rankings i might not even be able to name 10 or 15 punters for you but like i think he has the potential to be year in and year out consistently one of the considered by many the best you know one of the best punters in the nfl i, I think he has uh that potential so um a, a pretty good draft pick by jason light and then also chase mclaughlin being a free agent pickup who wasn't like a flashy name or anything it's not like you went out and you signed the big time kicker you know for uh, four or five million dollars um you know Chase McLaughlin wasn't like some sought after when you looked at, okay, all right, the Bucks need a kicker. Ooh, you know, this guy's here, right? It w- wasn't really like that. They took a chance on Chase McLaughlin, and so far it's worked out. So he's only missed one kick, and that was blocked by the Bears. So technically, I mean, I don't really put that all on the kicker. Um, so he hasn't really missed a kick, knock on wood, obviously. Hopefully it doesn't happen uh, anytime soon. But he's been really good, and just it's a credit to this front office for finding both of those guys. Your thoughts on the return game. Devin Tompkins kind of been the guy shoulder in the load so far for the Bucks since he took over last season. And, you know, we've talked time and time again. I feel like this is a conversation we have at least once a year at this point, but there haven't really been any game changers in the backfield for the Bucks, returning punts, returning kickoffs in what, a decade? I mean, who was the last person back there who legitimately was a threat? Deshaun Jackson, the three times they ever put him back there. And then the one time he took one to the house on the punt return against the Steelers in 2018, you know, there's there hasn't been much of a presence in the kick return game. And unfortunately, you know, the Bucks are not one of those teams where you look at anyone who is lined up at returner for them and said, oh, that guy's a real threat to potentially take one back to the house. You know, I think Devin Tompkins has done better than some of the other returners we've had back there. You know, I remember there was a time in 2020 where we had Kenyon Barner returning punts because uh, who was the guy who was doing it before? I think it was Bobo Wilson for a little bit. And then there was Jaden Mickens. Yeah, Jaden Mickens. Had a couple guys, yeah. And they throw Kenyon Barner in there. He doesn't work. And then you draft your boy, Jalen Darden, try to get him in there, and he doesn't do very much, if anything. I mean, he was doing more harm than good most games. So 
I kind of understand where a lot of people are getting frustrated with the lack of production because, you know, these are very important plays. And when you have the other phases of special teams that do play well with Chase McLaughlin being a very productive field goal kicker so far for Tampa Bay and then Kamara being a top 10 punter, it gets frustrating. So I, I totally understand it. But but what do you think it's going to take to get a little extra juice back there? Do you think we're kind of rushing here with Devin Tompkins and his ability. I know he's been getting involved in the offense and he'll have a spot on the team, but you know, do you think the bucks look to address that before the end of the year? Or is that just kind of something that's not even on their radar at this point? And I don't know if it's on their radar. Honestly, I just don't know how much of an emphasis they're putting on it. Like I just, it's going to sound strange, but like, I just don't know if they care that much. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's that big of a deal to them. Uh, you know, as I, I think the special teams coverage is more of a, a bigger deal to them, uh, than actually, you know, like who's the returner, you know, like, Oh, trying to get a, a Devin Hester type. Um, I don't really think that's a priority. Like, and honestly, like, and like some of the rules, like the NFL, I do think like five years from now, I don't know if we are even going to have kickoffs anymore. Like I don't like, I think it's just going to be punts pretty much. So like, I just think they're trying to eliminate it. You know, they're trying to make the game safer and stuff like that. I just think it's going to be whoever gets the ball, whoever wins the toss, you get the ball to 25. Like, I I don't know if we're going to see kickoffs five years from now. So I just don't know. Like I said, it sounds weird. I just don't think they care that much. Like they've made some efforts. Like you said, uh, they've tried a lot of the guys. You just mentioned a bunch of different names there. They've drafted Jalen Darden, traded up to get Jalen Darden. Um, and it just hasn't really worked out. So I don't, I don't think they're really like too concerned with it. It's not going to be the reason they win or lose football games. Most of the time. I mean, obviously if there's a big botched punt or something like that, that's different, but most of the time, the reason they win or lose is not going to be because of Devin Tompkins and his, and his you know, returnability. So I, I don't think it's that huge of a deal. And, you know, I think you just sort of ride out and see if Tompkins can maybe get a little bit hot. It's you haven't seen as it's not like a huge sample size still. So you got a whole year to, to sort of figure it out and then, you know, try guys out in the offseason if, if you don't like what you saw from Tompkins. And I agree with your viewpoint as far as how the Bucks are probably viewing this. As long as nobody's back there losing the game for us, you know, Devin Tompkins doesn't muff three punts in a game. I think we should be okay because as of as of everything up until this point, he's he's been okay. Wanted to talk a little bit more about some other players on this Bucks team continuing to hit their stride as the season goes on, and a guy that has given us a lot of excitement so far this season with with his redemption arc in Tampa Bay is quarterback Baker Mayfield. And I got to tell you, I like having a quarterback who is as candid in the media as Baker can be. You know, he he's not the most buttoned up guy in the world. I mean, even Tom Brady, when he came through Tampa, was not the most buttoned up guy in the world, which was kind of strange to see after 20 years of the Patriot way. So Baker Mayfield had a busy weekend. He was on college game day as a guest picker, Oklahoma and Texas. Great game. And then he was on the Pat McAfee show, I think the day before, and, and did a good 35, 40-minute interview with them and really really started talking about how his experience in Tampa Bay has treated him so far. And he compared it to his time in Oklahoma and, and, and the fact that you know he's just having fun playing the game again. And obviously, up until this point, everything seems to be gelling pretty well with the offense. Seems like he's picking it up and playing the best football he has since he took the Browns to the playoffs a couple of years ago. So now that we have seen what Baker is capable of and, and we look at how he's going to finish the rest of the season, 
I, I still think there's going to be, you know, peaks and valleys just like there is every NFL season. And I do think Baker is going to have that game that might turn some people off. I'm not saying it's going to be this week. I don't think it will, but eventually it will, you know, it, it's going to maybe look like it did against the Eagles another week in a row. That's the best case scenario. If the Bucks go play an elite team, it's hard to call Buffalo an elite team after what happened against Jacksonville, but Buffalo is going to be a very tough test on a short week. That could be the game, but Going back to Baker Mayfield, how you expect him to play the rest of the season, given all the variables up until this point, given that Dave Canales as a play caller is working out so far, Baker getting a full offseason, building camaraderie with his teammates, talking about having fun playing the game of football again, and just speaking so much to how these coaches in Tampa are letting him play to the best of his ability... How do you think Baker's going to uh, finish this year out? I, I think realistically, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's unfair to think this could be one of the best seasons of his career. No, I mean, right now it's shaping up to be the best season of his career. Like that's probably what you're on track for, but um, he's been good. Uh, there's been obviously, and look, there, there's going to be plays, and just like you said, there's going to be more times this season where like fans are frustrated with him. Like it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. It's it's going to be the roller coaster, right? Um, there, there's going to be times where you're like, yeah, like didn't play well, you know, like in that that in the, in the Philly game, like yeah, it didn't play that great, or you know, and there's going to be times with the New Orleans game, like wow, yeah, Baker was really good, and there's a few times like that, you know, the, the Detroit game, tough defense coming up. Buffalo, like you said, on the road, on a short week against, I mean, the Bills, you know, with the Jacksonville thing, the Jaguars were already in London. The Bills had to travel to London. You can't tell me that's not an advantage. Like, that is a clear advantage when the Jaguars have already been there for a week. Two weeks in a row in London is crazy, yeah. by the way. I yeah. I think the wild. Jags the first team ever to do that. Yeah, yeah, wild. Um, so... I, you know, I I think the Bills were at a little bit of a disadvantage there. So I think they're a tough team. The Texans, feisty team. Even the Falcons are, are a feisty team here. Uh, their defense has improved. Um, Just traded yeah, for Van Jefferson today. Yeah, yeah. You still got the 49ers, who that's probably uh, that's the toughest one you got on your, your schedule yet. I mean, that's that's looking like that could be a, an ugly one. Um, going on the road, West Coast, that's that's not easy. So yeah, there, I think there are going to be times where fans are going to be frustrated but I think you have to realize, like, look, he's not perfect. You know, he's he's not going to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL and be so great and this and that. But you don't need him to be. Like, you don't need him to be that guy if the defense continues to play the way that they have and uh, the pieces around him can be good enough. I don't think you need him to be that. So um, I think and he needs to realize that, right? He needs to realize, too. You know, to be the best version of himself, he doesn't have to go out and act like the number one overall pick. Like that's in the past. You're not that guy. You know, the Browns picked you there. The Bucks didn't, right? Like you, you shouldn't have that expectation. I don't think many people do put that expectation on them. But um, there, there's going to be just like you said, peaks and valleys in this thing. And uh, I do think that 
throughout the year, there's going to be times after games where like, yeah, he played well, but then there's also going to be the times where you're like, eh, you know, which will make the offseason discussion, you know, a little bit more fun because you're going to be, I don't think, I don't think at the end of the year, you're going to be saying, oh, they definitely have to resign him or, oh, they definitely are. No, you can't resign him. I think there's going to be a lot of split people and there's going to be a lot of uh, indecisiveness among the fan base and the analysts on who are you going to, are you going to resign him or are you not going to resign him? I, I don't think it's going to be clear cut either way. So um, he struggled with consistency throughout his career. That's what I'm worried about. Hopefully, you know, 13 straight games. Now we're going to get our, our answers here. Uh, I think, you know, the, these next Four games or so are going to tell you a lot about where this Bucks team is. 882 total passing yards for Baker up until this point of the season. Seven touchdowns through the air, two interceptions, and a passer rating of 101.5. Completion percentage of uh, 69.6%. Nice numbers there for Bake. So, uh, again, you like the way that he's playing. You hope he can continue to play well. And even on the weeks that the Bucks are not favored by much, you hope that it's a scenario like the Philly game where, again, he didn't play the best, but there were a couple of things that we had mentioned before. Mike Evans dropping some passes, you know, a couple of miscues on offense, maybe a couple of overthrows, which I think you're, you're still going to have every now and again. But as time goes on and he builds that consistency, I think even in the losses where, you know, a game like Philly, it got out of hand, you come away from that and you're like, you know, he, he still did what he could to protect the ball, had the one interception, uh, didn't make many mistakes tonight, whatever the case may be. As long as the Bucks stay disciplined and Baker can stay composed in some games that the Bucks find themselves behind in, I, I think he's on pace to play one of his best seasons yet, and it's going to be exciting to see. Some other unsung heroes on this uh, Buccaneers offense I wanted to highlight is the offensive line. I, I don't think we've given them enough praise, and I know it kind of sounds like, you know, it's just a big gush fest here after the bye week, but I think it's just important I mean, they're, they're, we highlight. They're three and one. They they're, are they're three, three and one. It and should I think be more it is positive. Inc- yeah, yeah. I think it's important to highlight what they've done well. And a lot of these things just aren't being talked about enough. Um, we can talk about the right tackle. We can talk about the left tackle. We talk about Robert Hainsey at center. But Cody Malk, his rookie season at right guard, he has been a blessing in disguise for the Bucs. Um, obviously, Luke Etticke going to be highlighted week after week. He's going to have another big week this week against Aiden Hutchinson for Detroit, playing a lot of premier pass rushers. Did a good job handling Cam Jordan against New Orleans week four. And obviously Tristan Wirfs making that big jump to left tackle and still playing just as well as he ever did. But Cody Malk has been a great support on the right side of that offensive line. And even when the Bucs have been running the ball well, he's been a big part of uh, as to why. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he's had a really solid start, and it's a, a positive sign uh, because you know, like the Bucks, like they had some hits with Aymar Pet and Alex Kappa, but like then they've struggled a little bit to find those consistent uh, players there among the interior offensive line, and um, yeah, I think you can probably get close to to crossing off right guard as a you know a question mark. I, I think Cody Malk has played really well, and. Um, you know, I still think there are questions at center. Like, I still have questions there long term. I think they, I don't think there is any question at left guard. I think they need a left guard, uh, which obviously you're like, you're not going to find that during the season. Like, that's, you know, an offseason thing. And, and that's what this year's about. This year's about learning what you need for the future. And hopefully they don't need a right tackle. Hopefully Luke Gedeke can continue to, to be just a solid player. Look, I don't need my right tackle to be like, to be elite. Right. Right. Tackles aren't as valuable as left tackles. Right. So, um, 
you know, and then that's why like Tristan Wirfs being elite, great. Like I'd sure I'd prefer an elite right tackle, but like it doesn't have to be a necessity. Demar Dotson was a solid player for the Buccaneers for many years. If Luke Gedicky could be Demar Dotson, that's perfect. Like there's nothing wrong with that. So, um, yeah, I I don't really have many questions there. And then, yeah, Cody Malk's answering a lot of the questions that I think a lot of Bucks fans had um, about him about the draft pick there. And um, looking so far like a hit, it is early, but it does look like a hit there. And like I said, you know, Hainsey, it's okay. Like I I just I just don't know if he's a, a starter level guy. Like I just don't know. To me, he's he seems like first guy off your bench like that to me seems to be like his best role can play both center and guard i think that's probably where he's best suited but we'll see still got the rest of the year but i mean we've seen enough sample size of him like at center obviously all last year so uh you know you can't count on ryan jensen for the future i wouldn't count on ryan jensen for the future uh so yeah it, it is a positive development of cody malk and luke Gedicky though like luke Gedicky for sure um because they're two young guys who the buccaneers are going to be relying on especially after they're going to pay tristan Wirfs what they're going to pay him and you know you're going to need you, you, you tristan Wirfs is going to be probably the highest paid left tackle in nfl history you're going to need cheaper options around him you, you can't Pay. That's why they had to let go of Alex Kappa. You couldn't pay both Ryan Jensen and Alex Kappa, right? You can't keep. You can't pay all five offensive linemen ten plus million dollars. You, you just can't do it. So you need to have cheaper options, and that's where having Luke Gedicky still on his rookie contract, Cody Malk just starting his rookie contract, that's going to be a huge benefit as the Buccaneers sign Tristan Wirfs uh, to a big money deal. So I think yeah, the development of both those guys, particularly Malk, just like you said, the question uh, has been really perfect so far. Yeah, speaking of development, let's talk about the tight end room. And we got a good question from our buddy Yurek in chat. He brings up your thoughts on Kate Otten. And I will say so far this season, Kate Otten has been the tight end one for Tampa Bay. I mean, it's been him, you know, Payne Durham, who who barely plays at this point, yeah. and Coquive, who, aside from some targets early on in the season, hasn't been that much of a factor so far up until this season. I will say for Kate Otten, I still think I'm waiting for that big game where he breaks out and everybody's like, oh, there he is. Because aside from the Chicago game, you know, yeah, he had, well, he had he a had, touchdown against New Orleans. He had six. Okay. He had a touchdown against New Orleans and against the Bears. He had six catches for 41 yards. So he has definitely showed up and he definitely has the ability to make plays. And I think as a tight end one, he's been serviceable, but I don't think we have seen him reach that full capability and I think we are yet to see that game where, again, he's going to break out. I don't know what game it's going to be, but I think there is going to be a game this year where he has over 65 yards and a touchdown. And maybe, you know, one of those receptions is a big 20-yard play downfield and he winds up at the end zone. Something exciting like that. I, I do think that he has some steps left to take in his development and he's doing that. But we haven't seen uh, the doors open all the way for him so far this year. Yeah. There's a lot of football left to be played, obviously, but I, I have been a tad disappointed uh, in him. I honestly, I've been like a little surprised that they haven't utilized the tight ends as much. I thought the tight ends and the running backs were both going to get a lot of work in the passing game, and it just hasn't happened. Um, it, based on what I've seen so far, and again, thirteen games left, a lot can happen. Based on what I've seen so far, wouldn't shock me if tight end is 
pretty high on the Bucks' priority list in the offseason, finding a starting tight end, whether that's, you know, investing a second or third round pick into one or you know, even a first round pick, like depending on where they are. Brock Bauer's probably not going to happen. I would guess he's going to be too high uh, of a draft pick. So I wouldn't expect that. But I know that's the name everybody will point to when you think of drafts, but just don't see that as a realistic possibility. Um, but I, I just, again, it's sort of like the Hainsey thing. I just, I kind of wonder if Kate Otten's a really good two. Yeah, is he, he not? He's not a one, and, and that's what I think we're finding out. He's a, to me, he could be a serviceable, really good two. I just don't know if on a Super Bowl winning roster is he your tight end one. I just, I don't know. I mean, he's really young. He's no, no, he, he is. is. And like I said, there's a lot of football left to be played. But just what I've seen, and honestly, when they drafted him, I was like, yeah, it's a pretty safe pick. Yeah. I was like, I think his his ceiling is very limited, but I think his floor is very high. Um, I, I don't think this is a player who's going to be out of the NFL in four years. I But I also don't know, like, he has very, very little chance of becoming, like, a star or even, like, a guy who say, oh, yeah, he's really good. Like, don't think that. I, I think, like I said, his his ceiling's low, but the floor's high. And, and I, I think right now you're kind of seeing that type of player. So if they choose, um, if they decide, you know, hey, like, if they see what I see, basically, that he's more of a two, wouldn't shock me if they went out and, and found a uh, a different starting tight end to pair with him. Uh, because obviously, you know, Payne Durham, yeah, what was he, a sixth-round pick like or fifth-round pick? Yeah, that's not like that's not stopping you. So, uh, And also, I want to address the running backs, too, because not going to lie, like... You worried? Kind of. Like, I, I just, again... I wonder if the Bucks are finding out these answers. Kate Otten's a two. Robert Hainsey might just be a guy that's best served a really good bench piece, really good depth. Is Rashad White a two? Like, that's like Sean Tucker looks like an undrafted free agent. Like, you know, it had a lot of hype. Looks like an undrafted free agent. The, the, the honeymoon phase is over for a lot of these guys that, you know, people were hyping up before the before the regular season began. And, and even... Yeah. Throughout the first couple of weeks, you know, the Bucks have been winning games and part of that is in due to the run game. But even then, we've questioned it along the way and a lot of people gave us some slack for it. But here we are, you know, five, six weeks into the season and we're asking ourselves these questions yet again. And and it, it looks more relevant than ever right now. Yeah, I just just wonder if yeah Rashad White's more of a complimentary guy and not the guy so does that mean they need to go out and trade for somebody and obviously thank god that Colt signed Jonathan Taylor so we can stop talking about that um no I don't think it means that but would it shock me if the Buccaneers are picking a running back fairly early in the draft no it wouldn't so um Again, a lot of games left. It's just what I've seen on those three players on the offensive side of the ball. You know, same goes for on the defense side, Logan Hall. Like, is Logan Hall more of just a, a guy? You know, like, that's what this season is about. Like, and everybody said, you know, oh, they're going to tank or they're going to you know, make the playoffs, this and that. I, to me, like, this is going to sound strange, and I don't want to talk about this forever, but – the wins and losses don't matter as much to me as the individual performance. Um, it it is this doesn't real team now, obviously, you know, here. they go out and you know, three and one and they end the season three and 14 or whatever. Okay, that's a problem, but like 
the wins and losses don't matter to me because I, I don't have any clear expectations. And there's to me, there's just you're finding out what you have. Right. To me, that's what this season is about. Finding out who can be on the 2024 and 2025 Buccaneers that you hope. And if the Bucs make the playoffs this year, great. Because you know why that's great? That gives you more answers. Oh, this guy, he can be on the 2024 Bucks. Luke Gedeke, he can be our starting right tackle for the next three years. We got that answer. Kate Odden, yeah, he's shown he can be the tight end one. Cross that off. And you're just, you're trying to figure that out. Joe Trian Shoinka, yeah, we don't need to bring another pass rusher, JTS has stepped up. That's what I think you're trying to find out this year. If you win, great. If you lose, I just I don't think it's the end of the world. And like, you know, the Bucks are 3 and 1. They're clearly not getting a top 5 pick. Like, it's not happening. Most likely won't even get a top 10 pick. Top 15 possibly. Top 10 very unlikely. So I just I know it sounds weird to say that. I don't mean to ramble, but I just the wins and losses don't matter as much to me this year. It just it, it just don't ramble away. I mean that's what you know that's what the whole the whole reason we have a podcast is. But yeah, I know I, I like to hear I, myself talk. That's why I do this actually. <laughs> I will say I I I understand where you're coming from as far as this being a development year for the Bucks. Realistically, just seeing what they have and what kind of core they can continue to build moving forward because this core group of players that we have talked about year in and year out since 2019. Maybe not all of those guys are going to continue to be in this core group of players in the years moving forward. So I totally get that perspective. And we talked about it even under the guise of like, hey, if the Bucks suck ass this year, you know, maybe it's because of this reliance on younger depth. And it's yeah. because a lot of these players are going to have a longer leash because you're not the Super Bowl window. You're not relying on veteran depth to step up and make sure that every every uh yeah, you're, you're not you're not going to sign you're not going to sign Julio Jones to play above Devin Tompkins, right? You know? I, you're going to so play I, Devin Tompkins. I understand what you're saying, but when you start three and one, I think the wins and losses do matter simply because we were going to transition into the trade deadline talk uh, to wrap up the show, and we still will. But I want to make this point, you know, for the Bucks being as young of a team as they are, and the expectations that they have set for themselves. I've heard Todd Bowles, I've heard Baker Mayfield, I've heard some other players go and echo this on other podcasts and talk shows. Everybody in that locker room, they set the expectations for themselves. They knew what the media had said about them coming into this year, and they knew that a lot of people, you know, Peter King has already flipped his pick on the Bucks because he said they would be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Well, which clearly and he they didn't won't even be. give he didn't even give an explanation. Like that's just terrible journalism. Right? Yeah. No, it's bad. We've seen we've seen a lot of bad journalism be exposed because of how well the Bucks have played throughout the first month of the NFL season. But now that you start three and one, now that you have a firm grasp on the NFC South, at least a half a game lead with a couple of teams winning this week, you look to another strong NFC matchup this week, and it's a game that if you win. The expectations uh, get that much higher, and you start I'll, four I'll, and one. I'll give you, I'll give you that. If if they if they beat the Lions and go four and one, all right, like yeah, then I yeah. think even with a three and one start, it changes the conversation of what they're going to do before the trade deadline. Because we talked about it was a very slippery slope of games right around this time. You know, after Philly, uh, we knew that they were going to have New Orleans, New Orleans on a short week. And then you get the bye week, Detroit. which is great, but you come out and you have Detroit and you have a short week coming up against Buffalo. You've obviously got a division game against Atlanta. There's a lot of there's a lot of potentially uh what's the word, losable games in there. Yeah. So I kind of yeah, get I that. Mean, and but, even you know, we mentioned Houston 
has been feisty. CJ Stroud's been really good. Like not a gimme, you know, there, there's some games that like, you're like, Oh, you know, like if one or two plays go this way, the Bucks could lose them. But the Bucks have played well enough to where we're not even talking about, you know, trading Mike Evans. You remember how uh, the conversation was, oh, if the Bucks suck by this point, maybe the Bucks look to build this team forward. And, and you know you what? Know? I think they could have. I, I, I think they could have. If they're one and three right now or zero oh and four, I think that's a real conversation. But, yeah, but like now that they know how well they can play and how they can hang with some of these better teams, I think that's I think that's just not even a thought in their mind. And, and they're no. going to go in every week thinking they can win. And I, I think with the NFC South being what it is, the Bucks know that they can win this division for another year in a row and maybe not go on a super deep playoff run. But like you said, it's, you know, it's obviously a win-win when this team ends up in the playoffs. But if you end up in the playoffs, not only does it add legitimacy to Baker Mayfield as a quarterback playing a full season, Todd Bowles as a head coach, Dave Canales as an offensive coordinator, the rest of this Bucks roster. It, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of things happening that that point towards the Bucks just continuing to be a team that a lot of people are, I don't want to say going to sleep on, but more people are going to be excited to talk about week in and week out when they continue to surprise a lot of these teams in the NFL. Like this is, this is a good roster. And we talked about that even on the season prediction show where I picked them to win eight games and you picked them to win maybe less. Uh, but we said time and time again, this is a good roster and it's a good core group of players. And if everything goes right, I think they're going to be a good team. And so far, a lot of things have gone right and they look like a good team. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they, they play the part. Um, you know, uh, you want to see it against better competition. Like I, I think they, they hung in there with Philly, but you could tell like, even through like throughout the entire game though, you're like, yeah, this talent gap's pretty wide. Like Philly's better, you know, and Detroit right now is one of the hottest teams in the NFL, you know, went into the chiefs defending champs, Super Bowl ceremony night and beat them. Um, yeah, that's, that's something to be said about that. Uh, and, and, you know, they just dismantled Carolina, which how would you like to be a Panthers fan? I mean, you traded Caleb Williams for Caleb Williams and DJ Moore for Bryce. Like that's, that's brutal. Um, that is just, yeah, awful. Uh, but yeah, I, I do look they're They're three and one. You got five division games left. Say you go a three and two in those division games. Okay. That's four and two in the division. That's six wins right there. Let's say they go three and two. That's six wins. All right. Then you got Texans might be a win. Titans might be a win. Maybe Colts, Packers, right? Like, like, like you have those games there. Okay. Like you're talking, even if you go three and two in the division still and then win some of those other games, you're still talking eight, nine, maybe 10 wins. I would say 10 wins is probably the max. Um, but like, it's not impossible. And just like you said, it's because of their, you know, it is their core. They're not a very deep team. Um, so that's what another reason why the health, where we talk about health so much is, you know, I said, if one thing can derail it, it's health. And because they are not a deep team at like at all, I think they're actually one of the more shallow teams in the NFL, possibly a team with some of the worst depth in the NFL. I just don't think, you know, there's maybe not worst, inexperienced a lot of unknown i should say uh but murky, murky waters beyond yeah just just the the, un, the unknown you just you don't know so um yeah i do think that if they stay healthy and that is obviously a big key 
right? They so far have passed the test, right? There's been a few iffy, you know, spots, but so far they've passed the test. But uh, if they stay healthy, yeah, I fully expect them to be right in the middle of this thing. And honestly, I I think I I think the month of December is going to be pretty interesting because. I just think this is going to be a three-team race for the NFC South, and I I don't think I don't think the NFC South they might send two to the playoffs. I don't think they're sending three. Um, so like I, I think the last four or five weeks of the season is going to be really interesting because I think all three Tampa, New Orleans, and Atlanta all going to have pretty similar records this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I really think the NFC South is going to be competitive down the stretch, and it's going to be. You know, even with the Bucks, let's say projected only win nine or ten games, I think that division race comes down to the bitter end, and it's and it's going to be, you know, whoever has the best division record when it's all said and done, which is very attainable for the Bucks. Our buddy G Vegas, the moderator, holding it down in chat, brings up a good point. He says, looking at the dysfunction of the Panthers and Carr being a saint for another year, I think the Bucks can win the division this year and next. He also brings up. Buffalo looking weak with their injuries. So all things. Yeah, there is, is a lot of injuries there, but it's a it's a short week on the road. Also, a little little bit of a note there. You, did you know that when they go to Buffalo Week Eight, that's the first AFC team they're going to play all year. AFC they haven't played. Absolute, they haven't played an AFC team. And the AFC obviously an absolute powerhouse. Um, yeah, they, they 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 haven't played an AFC team at all. They, it, uh, Vikings, Bears, Eagles. Saints, Lions, Falcons. First six games are all NFC. I like it. I like it. Keep it in the conference. Keep it clean. Uh, so let's wrap things up. I, I wanted to talk about also last call for phone calls if anyone wants to get it in. 305-224-1968. The meeting ID for this week is on your screen. 878-4591-9335. I've seen it brought up in chat a few times and it's going to be a talking point over the next few weeks especially if the Bucks maybe drop a game here over the next few weeks as well. Uh, are the Bucks going to be active before the trade deadline? The NFL trade deadline on Halloween this year, three weeks from today. So the Bucks have three weeks to figure out if they want some reinforcements, what they're going to give up to get those reinforcements, and ultimately where those reinforcements are going to be. Up until this point, we've covered some different position groups that are going to look thin, and that's a lot of them, but, you know, the... Position groups that aren't necessarily a sure thing, like tight end, like running back, uh, like depth along, you know, the, the linebacker core, or even depth in that secondary where there's a lot of unproven roster space being taken up. You know, what do you think about the Bucks as the trade deadline approaches here? Yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if they did anything. Um, looking at spot rack right right now, uh, the Bucks are 25th in the NFL in cap space with 3.4 uh, million dollars um, available. Not a lot of money, and plus, dude, Jason Light, he, Jason Light loves the draft. Like, I just don't think they're in a position to give away any draft capital. Uh, they they actually already gave away some 2024 draft capital when they traded up to go get Trey Palmer. Um, so they've already given away some draft capital for next year. I just don't think they're going to be doing, I don't think they're going to be selling, uh, but I also would be shocked. Um, no, I shouldn't say shocked. I'd be shocked if they sold, um, unless, you know, these next two games are just the worst ever. Um, then who knows, but 
I I would be pretty surprised if the Buccaneers bought anything. Just it doesn't feel the NFL trade deadline is easily of the th- like three major sports easily the the worst. Like just nothing happens. So like I just I don't know um, really uh, how active each every team is going to be. You've seen some minor trades now leading up to it, but. I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be in on anything. I, I really don't. Um, selling or buying just doesn't seem like the right time right now. I, I agree. I mean, we just spent a good 10 minutes talking about how this is a development year for the Bucks and how even though they are spread thin at some uh, positions and the depth isn't what it used to be, it's still a year to rely on those players. And that's a whole reason why I, I think they're going to be hesitant to do really much of anything at the trade deadline. So, like you said, usually anticlimactic um, around this time of year, and people love to get worked up about potential possibilities because every now and again, you do get that big trade or you get a player who hasn't been signed yet making a signing with the team finally, you know, a big-name free agent that's been sitting around. So people are going to be looking for headlines anytime they can, and I think as far as the trade deadline goes, we're going to see some of that. But don't expect very much from the Bucks. We do have our first call of the night, though, from the 813. Hello, who's this? Hey, fellas, it's Jeremy calling again. Jeremy, hey, what's Jeremy. up, dude? Not, not much, man. That that weekend was rough, man. That was a rough weekend of no Buccaneer football. So <laughs> glad we got that out of the way now. I'm, I'm ready for some Buccaneer football. But anyway, there is one that I do want to say to Evan. And please answer me this. Why Atlanta? What's so special about them? Like, between Fox, you kind of mentioned Atlanta. What's up with that, bro? I, I don't see Atlanta as a threat, man. Ritter's not that good to me, truthfully. Well, I mean, yeah, Ritter has disappointed a little bit. My thing with Atlanta is, one, I think they are pretty well coached. Um, now, I, I think the Bucks roster is probably more talented, um, but I, I do think they're pretty well coached. I think they, they can run the ball. I mean, Bijan's a special player. Um, I think Drake, I think Drake London is pretty good and they've added pieces on their defense. You know, if I had to guess, I would say the bigger threat for this year is probably New Orleans. Um, just because, you know, the the troubles that the Bucks have had against the Saints, even though they've beaten them. Uh, and I do think that the talent, the Saints are closer to the Bucks than the Falcons are, but I, I, I mean, Jesse Bates has been a really good pickup for them. Grady Jarrett's a good player. Uh, they've got a lot of talent. AJ Terrell, I think, is one of the more underrated corners in the NFL. I, I understand people's, you know, hesitant uh, nature, you know, with Atlanta. Like, I-, I get it. And I do think that Ritter will probably be the reason that they don't make the playoffs. And I think they're going to have to face a lot of tough questions uh, on the off season about that. But uh, that's the main reasons. Honestly, I just think they're, they're, they're not a great team, but I think they're more improved than people wanted to acknowledge. I think in the off season, because I just really liked what they did in free agency to shore up their defense at, you know, pair Jesse Bates with AJ Terrell there. Um, and I, I think they got a lot of th- good things going for them. Their offensive line has improved as well. Um, so I, I, I really do like what they have. Obviously Kyle Pitts. I think Kyle Pitts is a good player. Oh, they just don't use him a no, ton. No, I, it, <laughs> listen, I, 
I was a Kyle Pitts truther two years ago, and and I still want to believe in the guy. But as long as he's Atlanta, he looks like OJ Howard 2.0 out there. Dude, dude, you know what? I I mentioned Brock Bowers earlier. Brock Bowers, if the Buccaneers are picking at like 18, Brock Bowers might be there because I don't know if any team is going to pick a tight end in a top five ever again. I just don't know if it's going to happen. So yeah, that that's the main reason. I do I do appreciate the question, and I'm I'm thankful that you know that sparked your interest and i'm able to explain that um but yeah i mean like i said i think the falcons have an interesting roster and i think they could pose some issues uh for the buccaneers because i you know the buccaneers run defense has been okay but against teams that like to run the ball and do it effectively sometimes the bucks have struggled so i could see atlanta giving the bucks a few competitive games here Yeah, I think Atlanta is built in a way, kind of like Evan said, where they have the pieces. You have talent. Uh, I I hate to lump Kyle Pitts in there, but we can go ahead and make him a part of the conversation. Bijan Robinson, as well as the pieces on defense. But but where they come up short, I mean, they really come up short. You know, obviously Ritter isn't looking like he's going to be the guy long term for Atlanta at the quarterback position. And he he may lose them some more games this year because he's already done that so far. Um, You know, Kyle Pitts. I still believe that he needs a change of scenery, but not sure what his deal is. He was he was falling down on routes and slipping around the field last week, so so not a great look for him up until this point. But they got to get it figured out, and they got to get it dialed in at some positions. But I, I kind of agree with, with what you were saying and what some other people in chat are saying, and I definitely don't think Atlanta is going to be a stre- uh, be a threat down the stretch this year as the NFC South gets more competitive. I, I could see it next year. Um, yeah. if they okay. add a few okay, more pieces, if they add a few more pieces, you know, I, 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 I could see it. I do appreciate the question though, Jeremy. No, I'm, I'm going to take a question. I promise, man. I respect you very much, man, what you do. Like I said, I was just wondering when you mentioned Atlanta, cause thoughts mentioned Atlanta over us to win the division. I don't know if you saw that social media and I was kind of questioning it. I'm like, why is everybody keep freaking doubting us? Why are they keep putting teams like Atlanta Carolina, they finally recognize because they're the worst team in football, in my opinion. But, however, you know, Atlanta, you know, like I said, I do agree with your opinion. Like I said, I think they're a quarterback and maybe a player away from being a division contender. But I just don't see them better, better than the Butts or the Saints when it comes to the division. To me, they're number three. That makes any sense. Yeah, a little bit crazy. A little bit crazy to me. Those odds came out and like the live odds right now to win the NFC South. I think the Bucks are third um, in in the odds, but they're first in the actual South. It's very very strange. Let them let them keep doing that. I mean, it's, I, it's no, just take the bet, some guys. Money like if you want to if you want to take the bet, it's plus money. Take that's, the bet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a good time while the NFL media still sleeps on the Bucks. Uh, Jeremy, any final thoughts before we let you go, my friend? I mean, I think we're going to have a fun game to watch on Sunday. I'm going to try my best to make it there. I'm still working my way on getting tickets, so hopefully I'll make it last minute. I got my creamsicle ready in the closet, Mike Evans. And like I said, I mean, I think we can pull this game out. You know, the team stays healthy. Everybody stays healthy and ready to go. And most of all, the one play I'm looking forward to watching on Sunday is Kaliza Cansey. I think this guy's been missing peace from really getting pressure on the quarterback to where – we're not going to be thrown all over in the secondary. So at the end of the day, I see us coming out with a close victory over the, the Lions by a field goal. And we go 4-1, and one, fellas. What do you think? 
Yeah, like that would it. be that would be a pretty big statement. They're able to go to four and one, you know, beat Alliance team who you know, the media is talking about now. Obviously, game got flexed to four twenty five. Going to be more national eyes on it. I think if you're looking for the the whole script to completely flip. I think from a national media perspective, it's flipped a little bit. Like people don't think the Bucks are the worst team in the NFL anymore. But like, if you want to talk about the, like people and the media talking about the Bucks being good, a win against the Lions would go a very, very, very long way. Yeah, I think they're going to bring it. I think it's going to be a tough game. I think the Bucks are going to continue to surprise people throughout the season. Win, lose, or draw this Sunday. I, I, yeah, I, we, I don't want to do any predictions because the Bucks have injury concerns. The Lions, the Monroe St. Brown, and Jameer Gibbs both missed the game. They have injury concerns, so got to keep an eye on the injury report. We'll have predictions for you guys uh, the Friday preview, though. Yeah, I won't drop any score predictions, but I think it's going to be a good game. And, and I'm in the same boat as you, Jeremy, as far as getting tickets. I think if, uh, if my Thursday night football prize picks hit this week, then I'm definitely going to buy myself a pretty good <laughs> ticket. And, uh, and make my way out there. I had some good luck on Monday night, so excited for that. But, Jeremy, good talking to you, my friend. Excited for a good game this week. Oh, likewise, man. Thank you for having me on, man. Take care, man. Go Bucks. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks for, for calling. Jeremy. Go Bucks. Well, I think, ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I think we covered everything we wanted to. Brought you, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, and, and I think we did a good job of not doing the game preview. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, I think that's that's what I tried to avoid. Like, you know, because I do think there's so many injuries on both sides of the ball. It's going to matter. So, like, we will have a game preview out for you guys uh, later on this week, maybe with some special guests. Uh, not going to throw anything out there concrete yet, but maybe with some special guests here. So, um, yeah, keep an eye on that. And, yeah, like I said, there's just too tough for me to, to do a score prediction. I know people are going to want it, but I just – I can't like it matters if a monitor St. Bound plays or if Mike Evans plays or Jamel Dean plays or Jameer Gibbs like that stuff matters. So uh, I can't quite give a score prediction yet, but hopefully by Friday we'll have a more clear picture on who's in, who's out. Yeah. A lot of variables between now and then follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are cannon fire podcast, best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneers news as it happens Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at Evan NFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What have you got this week? Uh, going to be doing the Q&A again. We're back with that. So after the bye week, back with the Q&As, the weekly Q&As, and also going to have an X Factor out for this week. So the bye week, I uh, decided not to write anything. Just sort of took the bye week off. Uh, now we're, we're back to it. So keep an eye on BucksNation.com for all that stuff. Last but not least, you can find myself on Instagram and Twitter at Reticus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. And feel free to tweet me anytime. I mean, I know that that's not a word anymore because it, it's it's X now. Feel, so feel free to X me. Feel free to, po- feel free to post at me. Feel free to feel write f- a post f- at f- me. Yeah, feel free to X me kind of Ta- sounds Tag me wrong. in a post and I'll repost it and you can get... Put it up on the Yeah, post. yeah, yeah. You can't retweet anything. That's not a thing. Yeah, we don't do that anymore. That's you, you can read oh the dumbest thing. I the dumbest thing that freaking Elon's done. Why are we not putting headlines for articles anymore? Why is it just a picture? That's so stupid. Well, people don't like reading headlines. They just like the picture. They just want to click on the picture, Evan. That's it's pointless. <laughs> Literally, I've scrolled past so many stories because I'm like, oh, it's the picture. I'm like, oh wait, no, I can click on this. You want to see something funny? Actually, uh, <laughs> so I I have 
I have yet to update my app. I turned off auto updates for Twitter about a year ago, and I have updated at my discretion. So I still have the bird. There I you still go. have a lot of the functions that old Twitter had. It still says Twitter when I open it up. It's still Twitter in my phone. I don't have that nasty go. X contaminating my home screen. So I'm good. I'm great. I, I will continue to call it Twitter until it is officially like it. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I think, and we'll wrap up with this. I think it's going to be Twitter one day. I This I, is it, an interesting way to wrap up a show. I, I know. This is a turn I didn't think we would take this week. But <laughs> appreciate the, the people who are still here sticking around. I think it'll be Twitter before you know it again. I think this time, two years from now, it'll it'll be Twitter and X will be. Well, well you think Elon's going to still own it or he's going to sell it somebody else? I think he'll probably sell it to someone else. They'll change the name okay. back. Too much of a headache. Oh, God. I, yeah. Not a great direction so far. But. Looking forward to a good game between the Bucks and Lions on Sunday. We'll talk to you guys later this week with our week seven, week six. Yeah, week six game preview as uh, we get ready for the return of the Creamsicles. I am your host, Rhett Matthew, <laughs> signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. Thank you guys again for hanging out with us live on YouTube this week. We'll talk to you later. Until then, and as always, thanks for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.